Let's move on to some listener questions, guys. We we're getting a call right now, I believe. So let's let's. Uh... This is the Orange Black Insider. Hi, who's this? Uh, this is Dean. Dean. Dean Burke. How are you, sir? Doing all right. Uh, we're we're closing up the show here with a couple listener questions. You're our first caller in here. What uh, what can we answer for you? I want to know um, if the Bengals are getting it right starting Awesome. We'll take your uh, your question off the air. Good question. And for those, appreciate you calling, Dean. Uh, for for those of you who uh, maybe didn't hear that, he's asking about Carl Lawson getting more snaps than Michael Johnson. Um, Michael Johnson got some some significant snaps last year, but a lot of times he's kicked in inside for nickel packages and all that, and he was kind of effective there. Uh, Carl Lawson, to me, and he was kind of an under-the-radar guy in this preseason opener, but he was – Man, he was like in the backfield often, hitting quarterbacks, pressuring them. Didn't get the sack, but was in there often. John uh, on Carl Lawson, is he going to get the snap? Should he get? I mean, I think most of us believe at this point he's younger, he's more fresh, he's strong. He had an incredible offseason in terms of his workouts. Go check out his social media. Um, he looks good, but, uh, you know. It, should he – he's had durability issues in college, so should he be trusted with a high amount of snaps with the Bengals? I think the dirt – I think it's more about him handling run defense, and the Bengals have consistently had these, you know, giant-ass edge defenders, typically man like, base defensive end spots, and that's why Michael Johnson's been here for as long as he has and why he's been on the field first on first down, and I guess – and it gets, you know, in the base defense against primarily run looks. I think personally run defense for edges is kind of overblown and it, the narrative on it in the NFL is more strict than what it actually is. You just have to keep your outside arm clean in order to set the edge and just force runs back. And I think that Lawson over the off season has improved dramatically in terms of upper body strength. And yeah. he, he is capable of doing that very simple task, obviously shedding blocks and, you know, maybe two gapping every now and then. That's all. That's obviously part of it, and that's a lot of quickness and hand placement with a, a, a lot of edge setting responsibilities. And yeah, maybe Johnson is further along in, in that department because he's obviously played a little, a little bit longer. And Lawson, you know, even though he was in the three point stance a lot last year, doesn't have a lot of experience in, in that alignment as a run defender back in his Auburn days. So I think eventually. It's not impossible for Lawson to become that because a guy like Brandon Graham, who's built very similarly, he's one of the very best run defenders at the defensive end position, and he's 6'2", 260 with 32-inch arms. He's basically Carl Lawson's size. I think Lawson can eventually be there, but I don't think it's the end of the world if he only gets 50 or fifty to 55% of the defensive snaps this year, primarily as a pass rusher, because that's obviously where – that that's a ton more, a lot more valuable than just being a three-down player as a part of a run defender as well. As long as he's rushing the passer, uh, every chance that he can get on like third downs and passing downs, I don't think it's really that important. Yeah, and we've seen the team use uh, players that aren't necessarily doing – in areas that aren't necessarily their biggest area 
of strength. So um, let him rush the quarterback. That's what he does best. Uh, the good news is he he has earned more snaps than he got last year. So he will for sure get more snaps this year off the edge than last year. It's just a matter of how much and in limited snaps last year. Uh, he had eight and a half sacks. So, uh, you know, hopefully he can hover around that total while other guys continue to step up and contribute in that factor as well. Uh, but good question there, Dean. Appreciate you calling. And you can uh, – we'll try and take more calls. 949-542-6241. Uh, um, you, can, you can call or text and or leave your questions in the YouTube chat. Scott, I'll give this one to you. It's a text from Austin Tran. Um, do you think Joe Mixon will have a breakout year kind of like Alvin Kamara and Leonard Fournette with the revamped offensive linemen that the Bengals have? Um, I, I think that both is both Bengals driven and fantasy football driven in terms of the question there. So I'll leave that one for you there. Um, again, breakout year. He was a rookie with those guys last year. Mixon had some nice moments, but the offensive line, Coupled with a concussion late in the year, kind of stunted his growth. So, uh, so uh, your thoughts, your thoughts on Joe Obviously, obviously I'm going to say short answer, yes. Long answer, yes. And the reason why both is, yeah, long, I guess given the long answer, more of an answer is, uh, one is opportunity. Like I was saying earlier, you know, the running back, they've got to get the opportunity to get the touches. Now with Jeremy Hill gone, Mixon, Seems to be the guy that's going to get those early down touches, get the goal line carries. He was pulled out. He missed out on a lot of touchdowns because he would, you know, do some of the work to get down there, and then the ball would go to Jeremy Hill. Early in the season, you know, he would get two, three carries a game, like the Pittsburgh game where he was gouging them, and then they're like, okay, we're yanking you out. We're going to play other guys. And just, you know, sometimes his usage just made no sense last year. With Jeremy Hill gone, they really have no reason not to give him a higher volume of carries. He should be getting what he had last year plus the carries that Hill had. So extra carries, extra touches. I mean, he's consistently shown that, and we, we saw it last week, that he is a good receiver. He's not someone you have to pull out on a passing down. Uh, Gio is obviously also, obviously also very good in that regard, but he's someone that should have a much bigger year than last year. I think he's being underdrafted at the end of the second round. Uh the other, I mean, he, and also there with him, he's shown that he has the talent at Oklahoma, at Ohio State, or sorry, at Oklahoma with the Bengals. Uh, he's obviously had the talent. He's had the ability. Last year, the problem was he got hit so many times in the backfield that he had to do all his work just to get from a negative four yard loss, you know, or a positive four, negative loss. Would be, anyway, you know, behind the line of scrimmage up to the line of scrimmage. This year, you know, Billy Price can at least not get driven backwards. I mean, not that he has to get good push, but if he can at least, you know, stalemate the defensive lineman, if, you know, Cordy Glenn cannot get beat like a, a boy he had, even if we don't have the right side fixed, at least we have, you know, in theory, three-fifths of the line. Three-fifths is better than one-fifth. It's, you know, much better. So at the very least, you can run to the left and uh, go from there. And so, you know, by that fact alone, he's got, you, know, you think he's got to be better because he's a guy that, you know, when you get him in space, when you give him a little bit of room, he has that vision, he has that ability but last year he struggled so much because he wasn't getting that opportunity as soon as he was getting the ball and I, I remember um looking up a stat and compiling this last year I think at one point in the season o over a quarter of his rushes went for negative yardage because he was getting hit so soon that's just a yes yeah, not a good situation this year that's 
you think that's got to be improved just by the fact the line is is better and he has the talent. So you give him any sort of chance. And I think that, yeah, he should have a breakout year. I don't know if he's going to be top five when it's all said and done. I think the presence of Geo does cap his breakout a little bit. I think the fact they don't have a right guard or right tackle and they may not have Eifert blocking uh, in addition is going to cap him a little bit. But I think he's definitely going to be a heck of a lot better and a lot more productive than we saw in 2017. All right. Well, thanks for the question, Austin. I, I guess I was a little staticky, man. A little better, guys? Yeah. Yep. Okay, perfect. Um, we'll end on this one. Uh, kind of do the trifecta of a call, a text, and a YouTube question. And it is uh, from Derek Rogers in our live YouTube chat. He asked this pretty early on in the process. Um, do you think Logan Woodside plays on Saturday? And then I'm going to kind of coattail it a little bit. And do you think he's going to be any kind of effective? He was kind of, you know, a, a little bit of a, a little bit of a mix of a, a backyard QB in college. He can kind of move around a little bit, make things happen, but also a little bit of the game manager style. You know, nothing flashy. That's why he, part of the reason he fell into the seventh round. But we've heard rumblings of some off-field stuff. He had the DUI uh, issue coming uh, this spring summer. Um, there's been a, a kind of some under the surface stuff that some people know, some people don't know about this kid. But John, uh, your thoughts on Logan Woodside potentially playing this Saturday? I I think it might be if it would be very limited because they're going to give the starters at least I think in week two to get get that rust off. But at some point, they probably need to see this kid play. Do you think he plays? And if so, do you think he impresses? I don't have a clue, to be honest, because he just started getting reps over the past few practices. I think today um, the Bengals had, like, a rainy practice, and he was, like, late coming out to the field and then, like, fumbled, like, the first, like, three exchanges. Not it's just raining and stuff, but it was just a bad practice for him in general. Yeah. I honestly I, – I don't I don't know what's going to happen after Andy Dolan comes, comes off the field. I don't know if Driscoll's going to be the first guy out there. I don't know if Barkley – I don't know if things haven't changed and Barkley's still going to be there. Um Obviously, the sooner Woodside plays, the better, because we will have a better understanding of him the more he plays. But I'm going to say he doesn't because he hasn't had that much time with the team in, in a real-life practice scenario. He's just been, for the most part, of training camp just watching, and he's just now starting to get reps. So I, I'm i going to say he doesn't because I think they're going to see want to see a little bit more of Driscoll in the beginning. And then that's going to push Barkley back. But if he does, I won't be surprised either. Scott, your thoughts on Logan Woodside? I mean, you you may have paid attention to him. Uh, I mean, we're both you guys are in Ohio, so you, you guys probably saw a bit of him, a bit more. Did um, your thoughts on him? He's had some issues this off season. Fell maybe a little bit further in the draft than some people thought. I mean, seventh. Um, your thoughts on him, your thoughts on him playing against the Cowboys and how he might do should he get an opportunity? I'm going to say the odds of him playing this week in Dallas are probably somewhere around maybe 0%. Uh, <laughs> plus or minus zero. And the reason I say that is, as John mentioned, the starters are going to chew up more playing time. They're probably going to be out maybe two drives, maybe three. So that's going to consume probably the first quarter or more. They're still trying to figure out who that number two quarterback is. So I think they're going to give both Barkley and Driscoll probably 
as much time as they can just to, because they're still trying to figure out, I mean, if, if we kind of knew, if we had McCarron, we kind of knew, okay, here's our number one, here's our number two. I could see them doing, okay, Dalton first quarter, McCarron second, maybe third quarter, and then just whoever else in the fourth quarter. Because of the McCarron's not on the team anymore. <laughs> and yeah, but because they don't have him, that's why I think Driscoll and Barkley are going to get extended playing time to, you know, for the rest of the game as they try to figure out who that second guy is. I, I think you. that's I'm still an open right. battle. Yeah, I got and you. Because I of that, you. I think Woodside is someone – I don't think he's going to get much playing time, one, because of that, and two, uh, because I I think ultimately what they were, they'll probably try to do is not put him in the field. I don't think he'll play to the fourth preseason game, and I would assume at that point they the idea is let's just not play him much. We're going to stick him on the practice squad so the, yeah. you know, the fewer – times we show him to the you know the rest of the teams with game film where people can watch him and see him the better we're just going to slide him on the practice squad keep him there all year and then next year we will figure out what we're doing so i guess that yeah. that's my thought unless they put him in for like the very last snap maybe they want to have him fumble when he's taking a knee or something but <laughs> other yeah, than that i think i, I think you're going to I, I think you're going to see a lot of them in that that finale against Indianapolis. I think the, the starters made longer than they thought game because of that pick six, because they, they ended up playing, I, th- I believe, three series, and uh, maybe they were only supposed to play two, but, you know, given that pick six, then they ended up playing, you know, a little – in terms of game clock, they, uh, they played a little later into the game than they thought. But I agree with you. I think maybe it's going to be a first – quarter or, or quarter uh, for the starters. And then, um, you know, they'll, they'll bring in the backups, but I, and then obviously they, they call preseason game three, that dress rehearsal. So we may see about a, a quarter and a half to two quarters. And, and it all depends on how crisp everything is, is working as well and how good these guys look. So, um, you know, that that's going to depend on that. But uh, yeah, I think, I think the finale is going to be, you know, against the Colts there, it's going to be Driscoll, it's going to be Barkley, and it's going to be Woodside. And I think they also don't want to show the Colts too much in that finale because they play them just one week later <laughs> for the opener. So they don't want to they don't want to tip their hat too much as to what they're doing, especially on offense. So uh, good stuff, guys. Thanks for all the questions. Sorry we couldn't get to too many more. We we're running up against it. But we did get a call, a text, and a, and a YouTube chat question in so we were uh, we're excited to do that thanks so much for participating you can get this program on soundcloud itunes youtube and cincyjungle.com and a uh, number of different ways to get in touch with the program hello i'm spencer hall from sb nation and i want to tell you about my new show it seemed smart it seems smart is a show about people doing things that for some reason or another, seems smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.